Hello, everyone. This is a special episode on the Health and Well podcast today. We have Robin, who is the founder of the Village Physiotherapy and Co., a registered physiotherapist with a focus in pelvic and orthopedic health. She is a client-led biopsychosocial spiritual therapist with a specific interest in healing post-trauma, both in sexual assault and birth trauma, as well as the treatment of pelvic pain conditions, prenatal pelvic health physiotherapy, and postpartum rehabilitation. Robin is a trailblazer when it comes to physiotherapy, especially in the pelvic health, and she's a strong believer in collaborative, shame-free, compassionate, client-centered care and working with her clients and wellness community in Guelph, Laura, and Fergus in a way that supports everyone. You guys, this is a really awesome episode. If you are wanting to really understand what it is that a pelvic physiotherapist does and what all entails in it to make you feel comfortable. She is the one to talk to. This is Robin. Look forward to the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of Health in Guelph. Today is an awesome day. We have a very energetic crew with us today. We have Erin, who is back with me. It's been a long time, girl. (laughs) It's been so long. I'm so excited. So excited. And we have Robin Murray, who is a physiotherapist, really specializing in the pelvic care. And I am so excited to chat with her because she is a trailblazer when it comes to the pelvic physiotherapy and is a voice for a lot of women out there. And today we're going to have a really beautiful conversation. And I just am so excited. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi, I am so excited to be here. I am going to try to keep the passion and the energy grounded as I can, but this is really exciting. I'm so excited to be here with both of you. Oh man. So I don't even know where to start, but I do know where to start because people need to know more about you and who you are. So Robin, if you just want to tell us about yourself, that would be awesome. And then I know that's going to pave the path of where our conversation is And then we'll stop the podcast. Okay. We'll stop the podcast after you tell us everything. (laughs) Three years old. I'm just joking. I can literally talk for hours about who I am and how I ended up in the, in the position I am in the community. Um, I have been a physiotherapist since 2015. Erin and I actually go way back. We worked at Novati together, um, way back, uh, probably yeah. back in like 2011. Yeah. I was going to say a while ago. Yeah, wow. So I, I knew who you were probably, but didn't know who you were. I used to train there all the time at that time. Wow. I, I, stayed, I stayed on the DL when I was at Movadi because I definitely was working working through some stuff and I was in physio school and I was just trying to make it through if I'm completely honest. Um, I've been in the fitness industry since 2007. Um, I am so just passionate about showing people their strength, whatever that looks like and giving people permission to show up in their bodies and their health in a way that works for them. And I'm very, very passionate about checking my own bias my own ego, and meeting people on a humanist level, a trauma conscious level, and an inspired level, um, whatever that looks like. And I, I just am so excited to be in the Guelph and Alora community, because it is exceptional. It is the clinicians here are just astounding. And I feel so privileged to be able to do the work in this community. 
Oh, that's awesome. Wow. And like, I, now I'm understanding how like your spirit has like paved the way of like what, where you are and why you do what you do today. Cause like, I had no idea that you worked at there. Like that's how, where it started off. Like, and then it just bled into the other areas of your life. That's wonderful. So you have two little, little beans, like you have two kids and you now live in the countryside in Hillsborough. Yes. So, wow. Um, can you just explain a little bit about your little, your kids as well? Like how old they are? Yeah. So we ended up in Guelph. My husband had, um, a job at the time in Milton and he, and I was going to McMaster for physio and we were originally running in Kitchener where I did my master's at Laurier. And we really, it was interesting when we moved to Guelph, I'm like, Oh, it's such like a family town. Cause like we were a young <laughs> couple and weren't starting a family. And then when I finished physiotherapy school and we started to, to think about having a family, I'm like, I, I think we should buy a house here. And we bought this little tiny bungalow and we loved her dearly on the West end. And I got pregnant with my little Ivy bean and my pregnancy with, with her was one of the most challenging times in my life. My father was diagnosed with cancer in my first trimester and underwent a really, really hard surgery. And then my dear niece, Brenna was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor in my second trimester. So bringing a little girl earth side under those circumstances was a huge existential test. And the universe, in her wisdom, um, also granted me a pelvic rest on top of that. So exercise has been my safe space my entire life. And I essentially had to find another way to help soothe both my external world and my internal world. I'm not I'm not shy to say that I'm a childhood abuse survivor. I'm a sexual assault survivor. I've had a, and I've been in two serious motor vehicle accidents. Uh, my soul has been through a lot. So I got really, really heavy into meditation. I've been meditating since I was probably about 16 years old, trying to at least. <laughs> I think I've finally gotten the hang of it now and did some hypnobirthing while we were holding space for Brenna. My dear Brenna passed away two weeks before Ivy was born. Um, and Needless to say, my birth with Ivy was extremely, extremely traumatic. My whole body did not feel safe. I did not trust anybody. And I never tell my birth story to a first time mom. It's not clinically appropriate. Um, I essentially came out of that birth with a walker. Um, but by 10, um, four months postpartum, I was back running, um, uh, fall down seven, get up eight, right? But that was the beginning of this journey for me, because coming out of that birth, I'm a physiotherapist. I do this for a living. In my vulnerability of labor, I was unable to advocate for myself. I am an exceptionally intelligent woman. Um, I'm a smart cookie. I couldn't, my frontal lobe went somewhere else and I was in my trauma body. So I got re-victimized by a couple of OBGYNs and, um, it was like a light bulb moment for me and my suffering. I'm like, this can't be okay. This can't be okay. And as I continued into pelvic health and started holding space for women, I started to hear the stories of what we need to start to talk about holding space for women, empowering women in their birth, empowering women postpartum. It is an issue. It has been an issue for such a long time. So that's where this comes from. 
And then I had the birth of my dreams. I built my team. I went into trauma therapy with Ruza Adams, who is an amazing human. I had my glorious team for Clark and it all got taken away with COVID, but I almost had a C-section, but my doula in the the 10th hour or the 10th hour said, Robin, you can do this. And I went and I meditated and my husband was terrified. I opened the door and I said, we're going to get it done. And I birthed (laughs) that kid like a baddie. Then I got a prolapse six months later. So the universe said, here's another lesson. And, um, then I picked myself up again and it sucked. And I brought my guides in. I brought my pelvic health physiotherapist in and then three years later. So that's in a nutshell, the last five years for me. Wow. Unbelievable. That is a lot. That's amazing. It's really hard to change your, the narrative. Like you call it a lesson now. Did you call it a lesson like it's hard. Like it's that that's where the work is that you have to understand it as a lesson. But at the time it just feels probably so unfair. Yeah. Unfair. Like how, how is this? Okay. Like how is my niece being taken away from me two weeks before I becomes earthside? Okay. When I was in the depths of my trauma during Ivy's birth, Brenna was with me 100%. And it was the beginning of my spiritual awakening. And I'm a very spiritual therapist. And I tell my story to those that are ready to hear it. um, Because there's such a grand design to the suffering, if we choose to see it that way. Um, But we have to walk through the fire to see the truth in the pain. Um, I'm not sitting here going, I haven't been sobbing in the depths of my soul with my guides. I haven't been feeling dread, sorrow, pain. I always joke and I love humor. Humor is a great protector of our vulnerability. I'd much rather deadlift 200 pounds over and over and over again than sit in my trauma any damn day. Right. Um, maybe I have a little bit of a sadomasochistic vibe to me, but <laughs> I feel there's no other way to do it personally. What's the alternative to be miserable, to 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 not show up? I for me, there's no other way than to walk through that fire. It can it can't hurt us because it is us. It's us. Um, your internal world can't hurt you because it is you. Um And your body can't hurt you because it is you if you can bring that all together. But I did not do this alone, queen goddesses. I have a spectacular team of humans behind me. Um, So that's the one message to anybody that's listening this far is that if you are in pain and it feels unfair, you can't do it alone. You can't. It's, I tried, I have hyper in, uh, toxic hyper independence as a trait from my child abuse. It only got me so far. I had to lean in and start to trust people. It's true. It only gets you so far. Like, and it is good to have dig into that layer and that deepness, like to get there, but it's like what happens like with the next few steps. And that's where it's like, you got to start that trust factor, which is so hard to get that to yeah grow it back into that and let a lot of people to come in when you have your guard up. So like, how did that happen for you? Like, when did things start to like, really become, when did you become more open to possibility? I feel it's interesting. My ego's like, 
don't tell the story. (laughs) I said to my mentor, and as I was telling you before we started the podcast, I feel mentorship is so instrumental for anyone that's showing up in the wellness community. If you think that you have all the answers, you do not. I assure you, um, if that makes someone ego protective, I'd be really curious of why. My mentors are my guides. And I remember saying to Renee Queering, who is my mentor in pelvic health right now, she's such an exceptional clinician. I said to her, why don't we call it biopsychosocial spiritual care? And she's like, Robin, people aren't ready for the spiritual. And I'm like, "Mm, I disagree. (laughs) I just, I do. I disagree. I think that especially we're yearning for connection. We're yearning to feel love, true love with each other. It sounds so cliche to say the answer is love. Um, it, it's I was in meditation for it just like in all my meditation sessions are not like this. I was in meditation. I remember as in old, our old house, I was in the basement in my little like corner of peace. I had carved out for myself that my clients know I talk about this all this time. Like, where's your corner of peace in your house? And I was about two and a half hours deep in meditation. She was a long one. And all of a sudden, it became exceptionally clear to me the answer. That's all I can communicate. Um, I just went somewhere else. And all I felt was pure love. Brenna was with me. Everybody was with me. And I'm like, of course, it's so simple. And for me showing up in Guelph, anyone that interacts with me, we're all worthy. And we're all valid. And we're all amazing. Everyone, the womb. Um, Guelph Women's Health Associates, Robin's Nest, Pomegranate Grove, Amanda, Erin, Rebel Fitness, like uh, our dear Lucy and Fit and Eats, like we're all so worthy in all of this community, we can just be so exceptionally powerful. So that's when it clicked for me. And that's when I said, I can trust people because we're all the same. We're all love. Um, How did I get there? A lot of pain, a lot of suffering and not being scared of it. And, and finding my guides and, and showing up in meditation over and over and over again. Now, does this have to be everybody's journey? No, absolutely not. Um, why is this my journey? Don't know. Um, but it feels true to me. And probably eight years ago, listening to someone like me, I would be like, she is absolutely insane. I might be insane, but I'm really happy. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. That's so funny. I have a question. Yeah. I have a question. Like when you had mentioned like going into your first like pregnancy and you said that your frontal lobe like went somewhere else, which is like makes total sense because like I mean, I always I often say this in on the podcast of like if we're getting chased by a tiger, we don't have time to turn around and be like, what do I want to do with the tiger? I want to come in, want to have a tea. It's like, no, you can go. You get to safety. Yeah, your needs are, yeah, like it's just your survival is the main priority. So like when you say your frontal lobe went away and like it Mm -hmm. didn't give you the capacity to advocate for how you wanted your birth to go, like, can Mm -hmm. you explain? a little bit about that and like a little bit about how you felt in that moment because I feel like and I experienced this too I mean I don't have a kid yet but I hear this time and time again of like I don't know how I didn't know how to I don't know what to say I don't know how to advocate for myself and then things spiral and then you lose yourself in that so like yeah if 
tell me about that. I just find that fascinating. Like, yeah, I love birth prep and this is part of the birth prep. I do. Of course, I'm making sure that pelvic diaphragm with my client's permission is ready to accommodate a human that you're nice and strong. If that's part of your journey with me, you want to be a baddie, you want to lift weights, let's do that. But a big part of my birth prep with people is talking about nervous system functioning and trauma. So I'll try to keep this as simple as I can. If you guys are like, Love Robin, it. stop, I will stop. So people, most people stop. know the, never yeah, stop. no, never stop. <laughs> most people know the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. So the sympathetic nervous system gets a bad rap. She is not a bad nervous system. That's where joy lives is a sympathetic nervous system. So there's a really great book called Pain Science and Yoga Therapy by Shelley Prosco. And chapter four goes on over the polyvagal theory of um, vagus Stephen nerve Porges. regulation. Do you, are you familiar with Stephen Porges work of the no. polyvagal? Well, this is yeah. the guy that invented it. Same so idea. good. So amazing. Keep yeah. going. So for our listeners, the vagus nerve is like the coolest nerve in the body. It starts in our midbrain, which is about around where our nose and hard palate is. So you know, when you're about to cry, I think mm. that's your midbrain activating that that overwhelming sensation you feel right here from all of the trauma therapy I've done. I haven't seen any research, but that's my spidey senses. So our vagus nerve wraps around our midbrain. On top of our midbrain is the amygdala, the salamis and the insular cortex. I want you to see them as a hat, a face and a neck. Okay, so that is the insular cortex. It lives like right here. Our frontal lobe is up here. So we're talking with our frontal lobes right now. The insular cortex, we know from people that are Buddhist monks that meditate, they have hypertrophic insular cortexes. Their insular cortexes are larger than the general population. What we believe the insular cortex does is allows us to have a third party witness of our human experience. Underneath the insular cortex is the amygdala. That is where trauma it lives in our body. You go through something traumatic, your amygdala goes we need to protect this person against this, that gets bigger too. So the vagus nerve wraps around, it goes all the way down around your intestines, down to your pelvic floor. That's why a lot of people with um, trauma histories may have IBS type symptoms. It wraps around your heart and your cardiac plexus here. It is a cool nerve. Like everyone gives a sciat like the sciatic nerve a bunch of airtime because it's so big, but vagus nerve way cooler. So symp there's sympathetic fibers and they can be fight or flight or joy. Okay. Then there's parasympathetic fibers, rest and digest, cuddle, good sex, good orgasms, and dissociation. Okay, shut it down, we're gonna die, essentially. The dissociative piece of the parasympathetic nervous system is the ultimate protector of our ego. When there is an actual real threat to our being that kicks in and it'll shut us down you know those fainting goats I feel they go into oh. that nervous system <laughs> a lot so when I say my frontal lobe goes somewhere for anyone that's bareback to birth birth no medication or just been in labor you just turn into a different beast altogether and if you stay in that thinking brain your cervix she ain't gonna open um, it's the same with good sex huh. when I do, uh, I do sexual wow. health with people. If you're up here, 
you cannot release oxytocin and have a good orgasm because, and I say to my birth partners and I can be kind of crass. So I I apologize before this comes out of my mouth. I always say, if you wouldn't orgasm in the situation, you're unlikely to dilate because we know that parasympathetic nervous system is what helps us dilate. So when people are all up in our business and using fear-based language and all this stuff, you're going to pop either into frontal lobe or sympathetic nervous system, if you have a trauma history, that amygdala is going to go, what the hell is happening and put you into fight or flight, you shut your labor down, you're done. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying this nervous system regulation. So I talk with my clients a lot about what makes you feel cuddly and safe? What makes like your partner is so instrumental to help this baby out. And I look at those dads and those partners in the eyeballs and said, you have a very big role in this birth. And if you don't take it seriously, you are not supporting your partner here. Um, because, because birth is spiritual and organic and parasympathetically driven. So for anyone that's listening, that's like, oh, shit, I have a, I have like a sexual assault trauma history. How the hell am I going to birth this baby? I did. Um, I've been sexually assaulted, but I needed to really advocate for myself with Clark. I had no cervical checks. um, And that was against clinical recommendations. um, But I I trusted my body to do it. And I just had a really good birth, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm talking about, Erin. Yeah, Yeah. like, how did you get there to that space of, like, like, I know you say birth prep, birth prep, like, it's helpful, but, like, how did you get that space to be able to be, or, like, to know that, like, like, I need to, I need to be in my pair, I just don't want to say it randomly, but, like, I need to be, I need to feel okay with myself, I need to practice that and go there, and, like, how did you know to do that you know like so, yeah I read the I, hypnotherapy I, book and I yeah. tried to get there I definitely didn't get there I'm like yeah that's I'm what like, I'm you should have been my birth doula like you should have been the person <laughs> I should have talked to the whole time because it was everything that just didn't happen for myself so and I tried yeah, t- it's hard yeah this is so um, fascinating I had I had to know what was going to shut me down for me my biggest fear was the right. health of my kid right. what right. is and I say to my clients what's your biggest fear right. with this birth let's bring it out For me, it was my kids not making it Earthside. So I did a lot of CBT and and research about like that umbilical cord, you could hang from the ceiling on it. Like it is so hard to compress a lot of visualization connecting to baby. But I'm I feel so blessed in a way because all through my pregnancy with Clark, I had in-depth trauma therapy, OHIP covered twice a week for eight months, I was going into deep meditation for an hour and a half, two times a week for eight months. That's committed. Wow. (laughs) But what's my alternative? Like the universe was saying, here's a gift. And I could either say, don't want to go there. Or I can say this is happening for a reason. And it's interesting in my Mm. trauma therapy, we went through everything about my birth trauma with Ivy. And I said to Reza, I'm like, girlfriend, we have an impact, my birth trauma. And she smiled in her reason knowing way and said, we don't have to. You've, mm-hmm. Why did your birth shut down the first time? And I'm like, mm-hmm. 
Yes. Mm -hmm. And then my doula, Paulina Zettel, who I didn't get to use because of COVID, um, who is one of the most grounded humans. She teaches evidence-based birth. She is one of my mentors, just a dynamo. She's like, you've done the work, but the universe handed me the exact same circumstances it did with Ivy. I lost my amniotic fluid. I needed an induction. I lost my doula. I had to have a hospital birth. I had planned this awesome home birth and the universe said, nope, not your journey. Here you go. So I was literally on the phone with Paulina going, so I'm going to get an elective C-section now. And she's like, no, you're not. And I'm like, but I am because I'm not doing it again. You're not hearing me. I'm not doing it again. And I remember Scott was standing on the other side of the island with just terror in his face as I was so dysregulated going, I can't do it again. And then... And then I called Riza and she said, you've done the work. And I'm like, I've done the work. I've done the work. So I slammed the door and sat on my meditation pillow and put my fear release script on and asked for the guidance of the fucking universe. And then I opened the door after about 40 minutes and said, let's go fucking do this thing. And I was the biggest tiger mom. No one could touch me. I let them do a a continuous fetal monitoring. And I said, if my baby's in danger, they're going to intervene. My baby's in danger. They're going to intervene. And I roared that kid out. I think I gave some nurses hearing loss. Definitely. Um, I, I was not like a Zen goddess birthing. I was a fucking tiger because I am a tiger. I'm a tiger mom. And that is how you can regulate your nervous system. Because I'm like, I just have to trust my nervous system can do this and Mm. ride that sweet birth wave, baby. And it it was, it was cool. (laughs) That's epic. That's so powerful. I like to think that there's such like a good point to that, because you're talking about like such like a big traumatic thing that like is carried with you like throughout the years, like so, um, prominently but I think a lot of the time like we're I don't know there's this big T there's this little T and I think a lot of the time I see clients come through of like even little T like we talk about this on public but like diet culture being like a little T trauma because it makes money off of like the eroded relationships that we have with our bodies and so like we're yeah we're going into these situations with like what you had said before we talked about on the podcast and stuff, but bringing stuff from how, how things influence how we feel about ourselves, how this trauma manifests. And like, as part of the polyvagal thing, as you're saying, which is like literally so good to say it, because I think we, we demonize like sympathetic energy or, or parasympathetic freeze. Like, it's like, no, all these are great. And we need to be able to tight titrate between those but there is this like um fit in and fawn aspect of that top part of our vagus that you were saying this fit in and fawn which is traumatic I feel to all females in a way I don't know I'm interested to your thoughts because like think about this tea coming with us and like advocating for ourselves and like feeling like we're empowered in our in our bodies well it's so hard to go where you already or you can't go where you already are in a way so if you're coming from that place of like little t all the time and you don't feel confident or comfortable in your body or yourself it's like how do you start to recognize little t's from big t's and how do i start to Mm -hmm. like like make my way through even my birth process or just my own female process what yeah like what would you say as far as those those traumas like you said a big message that you want to leave people with is like 
even though you might feel broken or your body might be feeling like it's failing you it's like there's options there's 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 people that we're here for each other and i think part of this tea this trauma that's embedded in us is that we're not here like we've been socialized into not being covid not being there for each other not being so it's like i'm just so fascinated to hear about what your take is on these teas and how we as females can kind of use this jaguar energy like you say and like how do you practice that how do you know how do you yeah i just find it so fascinating <laughs> i like that you said jaguar energy because if you were to have an energy erin you would totally be a jaguar it would be a jaguar a oh my gosh well yeah Absolutely. you're a yeah for sure i'm like <laughs> i'm tired like, your jaguar i love it in the corner yeah. pants yeah i'm waiting but yeah like yeah, tell me like well <laughs> jag jagu-jaguars are more artsy and you're such an artsy yes, soul you are. right and jaguars are like these these like really like sensuous creatures um you're definitely a jaguar i love that for you so that's amazing um, wow let's let's get one thing clear clear when we're oh. locked in trauma yeah and we don't know it it's a learned helplessness response and it can be very very hard when you're getting blended with your amygdala to do anything but suffer Right, right. We can't, I always say to my clients, we cannot think ourselves out of our nervous system. I, I tried, I did, I, I, I would go to counseling. I've also been in counseling since um, I was 21 and I'm 36. So, and I was very blessed with my post-secondary education that I, I had access to that. And we haven't, as we all know, we have an issue with access to good mental yes, health care. Right, right. But for a long time, I was just hyper-performing. Um, that was my coping mechanism. Um, before I went back into university for um, kinesiology, like I literally tried everything to kill myself without actually killing myself. I was addicted to cocaine. I was doing very, very dangerous things. I was hanging out with very dangerous people. That's why one of my car accidents happened. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember after that car accident, looking at myself in the mirror and said, you were kept here for a reason. And I said, what is the next step? And I was actually going to go into social work um, right before I got into that car accident because my soul was like, this is not the end for you. You need to overcome this pain. So I went into human mm -hmm. kinetics because I liked working out and like I was anorexic. Um, I was cope I was coping the best I could. I, on I always joked with my husband who's been with with me through it all. I look good on paper, but my soul is dying. <laughs> um, my soul is dying. I look That's like paper. a great a great analogy for like life. Amazing. Right. I love that. Yeah. I looked, yeah, I looked good on awesome. paper every, I was this fitness instructor and everybody and this natural leader and people wanted to follow me, but my soul was dying and I kept yeah. fighting and I, I just kept putting antidepressants in my body and antidepressants are not a right. bad thing. And I, I know a lot of people feel they're very punitive and I think that's they're, a trauma. They're for a reason. <laughs> Yeah, like for me, I was on uh, the highest doses of Wellbutrin you could go on just to function through physio school, through physio school. I was in psychiatry just to do it. And I remember looking at people that didn't have a trauma history. I called them the privileged children. And I was like, man, I hate all of you. I had a lot of hate in my body, a lot of hate in my soul. And when I run into people without a trauma history now, I just want to be friends with them because I see the beauty in their nervous system now, but I didn't see, like, I didn't see, right. I was just doing. And, and right. at some and point in our, awesome. yeah, we just do, we just do. And 
Um, I am blown away every single day by my clients and the resiliency of these people and how they show up with the, the stories that I hear. Um, like, especially women, we're tough. The humans, we're tough, man. We're tough species. So I just did for a very long time. Um, like at one point I was having like 12 panic attacks a day and then walking in and teaching a fitness class right after having a panic attack and putting on the social mask and just doing the thing. So as I continued, I did EMDR therapy. I did DBT therapy. I tried to do DBT therapy myself because I kept firing therapists because I was smarter than them. My, my well, that's, intelligence. That's that's so good. That's like even protective of it. Or yeah, right. that's like, a, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm, yeah. And that's a lot so of, I, I find a lot of physicians and people in, in stature and wellness will have this protector, especially when they're not able to fix the client because we're not here to fix people. We're here to guide people. Um, they'll be like, well, they're a non-responder because like, I'm super smart. And I'm like, well, that's kind of a trauma response kind of, but yeah. like, as we know online, everything's a trauma response. It's a protective yes. response. Yes. yes. It's not, it's Literally. a protection. It's not, it's not bad. It is actually not a good thing mm-hmm. because to be an open book all the time, like I tend to be, um, like we want to only share our souls at times that we're willing to share them. So I eventually went into IFS therapy. So for me to know where I am in my What does it stand for? Internal family systems. So it was developed by um, a man, I think his name is Rick. Um, But essentially internal family systems is how to get to know. And this works well for me. Is this a journey for everyone? Not necessarily. There's like, so there's emotional release therapy, there's body somatics, like what's important is that you know what you resonate with and finding a guide you resonate with and doing the work, right? IFS just resonates with me because it's very, it's very conceptual. I have, um, I have a real, um, I kind of joke, like I can almost like go on an LSD trip in my nervous system without taking any psychedelics. Like I have a very good way of visualizing things so basically ifs therapy is who's in the driver's seat so right now i'm talking to you guys with my inspired what i would call my inspired part of myself she's very high vibe she's awesome um but then there is my part of myself that has been sexually assaulted and then there's my part of myself that's my physiotherapy self and then there's my mom part and my empathy part and within all of these parts of myself is sympathetic and parasympathetic regulation depending on their their individual stories so for me i've just done a lot of work of the map of my internal world right and um i do this in a physiotherapy uh, physiotherapy capacity with people's pelvic health and body by remapping their body with them like, do you know where your pelvic floor is? Do you know where your glutes are? So it's about us connecting to ourselves from a humanitarian lens that all parts of us are good. And, but some parts might just have feelings because I've been through some stuff. And can we hold space for that, right? Mm-hmm. Can we hold space for that suffering from that insular cortex standpoint and let the trauma run? let it fully process now that we're safe, like I'm safe right now. So if anyone's ingesting this, and you are not in a safe situation, that you have to be like, I have a house, I have food, I have 
a job I love, I'm safe to do this work, right? So that's really important too. Yeah, yeah. it's like a privilege yeah. sense as well. Yeah. Like it can be a... It's so much privilege. I always say to my clients that we go down this road together in our care. I'm like to do this work is it's such a privilege in this world. Um, I almost feel it an ethical obligation to help heal generational trauma and my own trauma for my kids' sake, for, for my community's sake, because the universe has granted me the privilege I have in my life right now, right? But that's like what you're doing. Well, what's what you're doing in a way, first off, is like trying to get like, we don't, we can't heal alone. So everyone's coming together and we're trying to do this and we're trying to support each other. But don't you find that like people could like, like the clients that, or even just in general, like if you can't map your body and your pelvis, you can't map your own internal sense of yourself and your parts and what they need and what's happening. Like, do you find a correlation between like this nervous system stuff and the pelvic health stuff? Oh, absolutely. So we know, um, like, um, Steph Bowman did such a good job on the technical aspect. I was like, thank you, Steph. I don't need to talk about the technical stuff today at all, like breath, connection to core, all that stuff. It's all good. But um, for my clients that come into my caseload that are presenting a certain way, and I feel might be receptive to going on this journey with me, um, I integrate pain science quite a bit. It's research evidence based, where I take I take objective measurements um, to measure how the autonomic nervous system is functioning, how the body map is. And um, numbers um, are definitely a yang energy. It's a male energy, but I, I bring the feminine energy in. It's like, this can just be a guide to say, what's a heavy hitter in your nervous system? So I take something called centralization and more and more people are knowing this now. So if your nervous system is centralized, and I think we're still exploring what this actually means, but if you're centralized, what we know from the literature is if you're over 40 on my score is that we know a component of your pain or your suffering is centralized, which means it's in the brain and the spinal cord. It's not that you're making it up. It's the same system as your heart beating, you breathing, all of that stuff. It lives in the midbrain and the spinal cord. I find for my clients that are highly centralized, there's usually nutrient deficiencies there. There's usually some kind of autoimmunity. And that's where my naturopath friends and my holistic dietitian friends come in to help elevate that person's nervous system. So that centralization to, can come down. I always say to my clients, we know you're centralized, so we can continue to work towards the centralized piece. And if someone's in a lot of pain and they're centralized, I'm like, I'm still going to weight train you. And I'm not necessarily going to take what's happening in your body as indicative of what's happening at the tissue level. Because what happens when we're in pain, and this happened to me in my persistent pain with my allopathic training, I got so scared, I stopped lifting, I stopped moving because my pain was so severe because my soul was saying, help me. So my body was in a lot of pain. But um, I've actually found the more jacked I am, um, the more skeletal muscle I have on my body, the lower my centralization scores. And that's from a physiological perspective. Um, our insulin is better regulated. Our cortisol levels are better regulated because that goes into centralization. Um, there's a uh, there's a questionnaire called the Fremantle questionnaire. So if that's above zero, we know that there's a disconnect between the somatic what's called the somatosensory cortex, which is where our brain map is and what's actually happening in our body. So this comes out of the complex regional pain and phantom limb syndrome mm -hmm. literature. So mm -hmm. if anyone does 
doesn't know what that is. Phantom limb is you've had an amputation and your brain still thinks the limb is there. And complex regional pain syndrome usually happens if there's a traumatic event, usually a wrist fracture for whatever reason. Um, and then the body, the autonomic nervous system just says, this is not there anymore. And essentially it becomes white and almost dies. Um, it's a really cool thing to rehab. Not cool that the person has it, but yeah. we use a lot of, we uh, use a lot of mirror therapy remapping. So my free mantle questionnaire lets me know, does your body know where your glutes are, where your back is? And if that's really high, there's a certain therapy I'll do with people. Um, I also take I do not like the name of this questionnaire. It, it's a PR issue. It's called the pain catastrophization questionnaire. Like, can we call it something else? Um, <laughs> like, I feel like it's such an inflammatory use of language, but essentially that questionnaire lets us know if our friends in psychotherapy can be helpful. Um, because if the nervous system, the amygdala has now learned the pain is a real active threat, um, then pain sticks around. So it's not your frontal lobe, it's your midbrain is saying we are in immediate danger because of the signals coming in from the body, let's make more pain. Um, and then what's the last one, the DAS. So the DAS measures stress levels. And I'm laughing because like my mom's our stress levels are all like, severe all the time. Um, and then anxiety, and then anxiety and depression. And that can be a screen of also, I think that goes into the centralization, because we do now know, like serotonin is created by gut health. Um, so if someone's like, say someone's like anxiety is severe, and everything else is low, we can guide that person to say, what therapies can be helpful to help nurture what your nervous system is telling us, not you have anxiety and that's why you're having all your symptoms. No, you're, this is a reflection of what's happening in your nervous system and your neuroimmune system. Let's get your team around you to help nurture this queen, right? That That is um, kind of how in clinical practice, I would put all of this this body mapping and stuff together. This is so, so cool. Oh my gosh. I want to, yeah, like, I love it. We've almost like been at an hour, but I really want to ask about like, because we did that, we were talking about mapping. What's desensitization? It's just a, it's just a really patriarchal word. I, I, that's what I don't like about our professions. We use all these big words um, and the roots in it is not great. So desensitization essentially. So I'll, um, <laughs> I, I can't show you my vulva right now because I don't think it's appropriate <laughs> for anybody, but let's assume we're having painful sex and this is a vulva. And I touched the showing tissue. two fingers, just yeah. like right. the peace yes. sign. Just so you saw you know. peace sign. That's like what she's doing. <laughs> Not the other <laughs> way, because I'm I'm half English, so I don't want to. If Lucy ever watches this, I don't want to flip her <laughs> off. Um, so if we touch this and you go, stop that. That's painful. I look at breath. I look at guarding. I look at everything. And then what I'll do is I'll actually get my clients to put their fingers up, and I'll apply the pressure that I'm applying on their fingers and I'll do it at the same time. And then I watch their brain try to figure out the situation and they're like, Oh, oh my gosh. And then I literally will desensitize the area. And then I'll say in my clients, some people do, some people don't. I say, get your mirror, go to your bedroom and hang out with your vulva. And if there's trauma there, that can be really hard. I could literally talk to you all day about the toxic narratives that surround our 
vulvas postpartum, but we're running out of time. But that's essentially what I do with desensitization. So that would be on the outside. I can do it in in the pelvic floor. I can do it with the glutes. I can do it with the rectal opening. If you're having rectal pain, I can do it with your neck, your jaw, your foot. Um, You can desensitize anywhere, right? Like even if you guys like feel the skin on your body, is there anywhere that like for me, and I have a lot of throat chakra stuff, which really people are confused about, but I'm a people pleaser and that's part of my journey. But even if I feel the skin around here, it feels different. It feels muted. Yeah. Versus here, versus here. A lot of us don't touch our bodies. Do you touch on the inside of your mouth if you have jaw pain? Probably not, right? Um, and getting to be at home in our bodies again, because our bodies are beautiful and luscious and amazing, right? And love ourselves. Yeah, if you that can put goes... it... Sorry, go, go ahead. No, go, go. What were you saying? I was going to say, if you can put like put a vibe... Where? Put it where? Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, put a, put a vibe of love, which can be the hard work behind right. your beautiful body. Um, that That is just so, so powerful. So yeah. powerful. <laughs> no, that's actually so cool. And it just kind of like is an interesting caveat too, because now I was hearing that and we can talk about this another day, another time, but like oh, even just like be. foam rolling as like a deep, like foam rolling, basically the, the studies yeah. are showing now that maybe it's not before training or whatever. Maybe it's not doing actually a lot to the actual tissue itself. Like from like, no, a, it can't be, no, but, it can't. but, but we're decent. We're, desen- we're desensitizing, we're bringing, blood, like, that's still good. So sometimes even for me, just with my back pain, it's like foam rolling might not actually be doing anything to the actual structural integrity of the tissue, but it's yeah. helping me to desensitize myself and my pain is already on that feedback loop 24 seven. It is do it is doing something to the tissue. It's just not the tissue you yes. think it's doing it to. It's right. changing exactly. the neural patterning. Yes. And if you want to be like scientific and like super cool about it, like that is way more brainiac and nerd vibes and like, let's roll out our muscles. Um, it, but the thing is we can't separate our nervous system from our muscular system, our neuroendocrine system from our nervous system. And it's all connected. all connected. And like when I did my front squats today, I did foam rolling along my right posterior chain because, um, and I, she's got a lot of story there. So I need to open her to get into that front rack position, my whole body wants to protect. I oh, like, yeah, I want to do this. And for years, same. this was me. And now yes. even energetically, she's I'm curling so in just so everyone yeah, knows like for, <laughs> for a year. Yeah. Uh, for years, I was like this, uh, like all hunched over. And now like my natural state of being is here. And is that the strengthening? Yes. Is that the foam mm. rolling? Yes. Is that the trauma therapy? Yes. Is that mm-hmm. my natural path? It all encompasses yes. together. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yes, it's mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. And that's why it's like, we need to like figure out, like you said, the right type of care for right. to, to, to help support us in, because it is all connected. It is all important. Yeah. All and I always say to, matter. I say to my clients, work on the heavy hitters and just focus on that for six months. And then you'll start to get your feet. So if it's psychotherapy, just do that for six months and be kind to yourself. If it's moving your body and getting into your body and that resonates with you, do that for six months. And and everything else, if you have raging anxiety, raging depression, 
just move your body, then reevaluate the situation in six months. You want to go see a naturopath, work on that with them for six months. Don't do everything all at once. You'll crash and burn because that is not loving yourself. If you really love yourself, you're going to ask yourself, what's the next step here? And I give my clients full permission. Nothing needs to change today. Nothing needs to change. We've got this whole beautiful life to live. Like what's, what's the rush, man? But something did change today because they (laughs) met up with you that you started to build their effective team, right? It's about that. That was like, yeah, I love it. This was uh, such a great conversation. I can't believe how fast I went. I can't even finish my sentences of how amazing this was. Thank you so (laughs) much for your time. Like it was so valuable. And I really hope that this gives like all of the people are listening, like, perspective that like it just takes like one step to move forward it just takes someone to listen and to hear them and to feel seen and heard to start moving towards like better health for them thank you so much You're so much so Robin awesome. <laughs> this is the best <laughs> I love it it's always great yeah that's awesome thanks so much Robin um, how can people find chicken. out more yeah you go eat your chicken but before you go do that how can people find out more about you and what you do and who you are yes so I have a small but exuberant following online at uh, mindful physio mom so you can find me there um, I'm the owner of the village physio and co which is a group of amazing rock star goddesses who are out <laughs> doing the good work so you can find us at at the village physio and co on Instagram um, and I do have a YouTube channel but I don't post often I'm mostly on Instagram at this point lots um, of great videos videos and lots of great knowledge yes good content out there yes very great content (laughs) you do that I haven't seen that I'm gonna look that one up I haven't haven't seen you dancing yet no for some reason I'm gonna now I'm going in on it (laughs) I'll do a I'll do a dance reel just for you Erin this week oh my god I'm gonna make it it with my hair all nice oh my god that's amazing and make it something to do sciencey because it's like very sciencey and amazing and then it's like you're like you said you think like humor is healing right so it's also there I'll, as well which is great i'll do a dance reel on the polyvagal theory just oh so my god <laughs> you have to pretend you're the wandering nerve yeah that's so good I love uh, it. yeah so i'm mostly on instagram at this point uh you can follow along with me and my journey and my family definitely follow, um, definitely follow. That's about it. Like I don't have any courses or or books or but that's all if the universe yes. sends that to me, I'm here for it. <laughs> oh, rock on. Thank you so much. So much is possible. So much is possible. Keep keep going. Thank you for listening to the Health in Guelph podcast. This show would simply not exist without you. If you know somebody in the community who would be a great candidate to be on this show, send them my way and email me at amanda at relevenrise.com. And what keeps us going and staying on the forefront is liking, commenting, and subscribing. Please share this podcast so we can keep this community connected. Thank you, Guelph, and stay strong.